1: Hey no bad dog army. Hope you guys are well. Thank you so much for listening as always happy Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Um Monday my files got messed up. So, I had a really good one for you, but apparently it didn't record. So, this is an absolute heater uh which my empo- my young employees tell me is a good thing. So, this is a good podcast with um just, it really is from start to finish, constant, really great information. Again, as you guys know, there's just sometimes where we have the perfect case, the perfect clients, the perfect situation. And there's just, it's just complete and utterly great information. In my opinion, this is going to help you guys out a lot. Um, so this is going to be talked about everything about uh, dogs fighting within the house how to be successful? What is realistic? Um, we talk about something that I've—it's really puzzled me, to be honest. I was like really surprised by this behavior from this shepherd going after um, this Doberman. And so we talk about, hey, if you can't figure out the actual problem, then here are some things that you can do to be realistic. And and that's what we're about—is realistic training for real people and uh, yielding real results. Um, We're working on some really exciting, fun things for this year for different seminars. Make sure if you guys, like however you guys consume information, whether it's here on the podcast or Instagram or YouTube, turn on your notifications. We have some really exciting stuff coming out with very limited spots. Um, That includes some dog training type courses type powwows in person and that includes uh some international seminars as well everything's going to be very limited so keep up on your if you're one of those people like me who gets really upset when you miss something you really wanted to do um I hate that. So just make sure you can be in our email list, turn on your notifications. Once we announce stuff, it's going to get blasted everywhere. And I mean, I'm talking about in some situations, there's going to be five tickets and then in other situations, there's going to be 20. So anyway, we've got some really exciting stuff coming out. I'm very excited about it um, to finally get it rolling. Uh, enjoy the podcast. At the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions. If you want me to answer your dog training questions, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your questions. Literally, if you guys have questions, you don't have to pay. You just head over to the iTunes review chart, leave a review and your question, and I'll answer it next podcast. Enjoy the podcast, and I'll talk to you at the end. Cool. All right, what's going on?
0: So we um have a German Shepherd, and she's pretty reactive and insecure, I would say. And recently, she started attacking our eight-month-old Doberman puppy.
1: How, how old is the oh. Shepherd? Sorry, I missed that. Uh, Four and a half. Okay, four and a half. Okay, and your Dobie's eight months old? Yes. Okay. Okay, Um, does she have a history of being aggressive towards dogs? No,
0: not aggressive. She'll be standoffish. We'll go to the dog park. She'll play by herself. She doesn't want to play with anyone, but never aggressive.
1: Okay, and what are the fights like how are they what's happening is there any is it over anything or
0: not that we can it's not a consistent trigger that we can tell
1: the i think
2: the most common one for us is like a jealousy kind of thing so sometimes we'll take the doberman out to like home depot or lowe's or something just to walk whenever and we'll keep the german shepherd here just because i work remotely i work from home and whenever the doberman comes back um she will sometimes, whenever you know, we we kind of, you know, open the door or let them out to, to go potty together. She will sometimes go immediately after the Doberman um, and just kind of lock onto her, you know, focus on her, and then you know, grab her by the neck and start
0: shaking her, shaking around.
2: her around. And I think that the grabbing her by the neck and the shaking her is the scariest part. And then the Doberman will squeal and scream and start um, peeing herself. Yeah, and sure. it's not like a Correction. At that point, it's like it, to us, at least, it seems like she's it's trying like to actually. Too far. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, that's that's too far. Usually, when that happens, it's not good. It's not fun. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so
2: you know, I was going to add additional yep. context. So we, we talked to the trainer about this. The trainer thinks that it's just a correction. So so we're going through PetSmart for obedience school for for the Doberman. Um, So we talked to her about the, the issues we're seeing with the shepherd and we realized it's more behavioral rather than like an obedience kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and we tried to set up a training thing with her. She hasn't responded back. Uh, we also talked to our vet cause we were, we're pretty concerned about it. Um, and he suggested us getting with a, you know, a trainer as well. Um, and he also, um, we asked him if, if there's anything he could do from, from a vet perspective and he prescribed us trazodone for now. Um, just to kind of calm her down to maybe kind of reduce, um, you know, the attacks or maybe make her just a little more tired. That was on edge. So that's kind of what we're trying to do in the meantime while we look for, you know, a solution.
1: Okay. I'm with you. I got you. So a couple things, um, I, it could be somewhat of a correction maybe to your, your shepherd's eyes, but it's definitely inappropriate and dangerous, uh, especially for a puppy. And, um, it's a, this is a very tough thing from a vet perspective. So vets don't do anything behaviorally. They don't study behavior. They don't know behavior. They don't train, yeah, yeah. as you know. Um, so the only thing a veterinarian can do is prescribe you medication. That's the only thing yeah. that they're able to yeah. do. And that's their job. There's diagnose and then medicine. I wouldn't be recommending the trazodone um, because this is kind of like, we hear this happen sometimes with vets or behaviorists as my dog is pulling on the leash and it won't stop. So we just try to puddle the dog, make the dog so sedated that they don't want to get up and walk. Um, yeah, yeah. so I, I wouldn't suggest that only because <laughs> this is, uh, so medication is great and it can be life changing for people and dogs. But when we're talking about one behavioral quirk, uh, that is happening, um, it you know medication isn't like your dog isn't a nervous like i can your dog is that your shepherd there laying next to you <laughs> oh yeah yeah
2: literally <laughs> calm
1: yeah exactly so i i yeah. you know i i just would highly suggest not doing the trazodone just because again that's just like throwing medication after you <laughs> know based uh, ear so it's not mm-hmm. a neurological yeah. holy crap why is this happening this is nuts Um, my dog won't calm down my dog's quality of life, uh, because of the anxiety and because of all these things are happening. is not good. So that's where, so I know that you guys know that I'm just, you know, the vet's job is to do their job and my job is to, you know, help you behaviorally. And so I would, um, suggest not doing that too much because that can actually make things worse. Um, so yeah, so. And I know that uh, you guys are just looking for answers. So, of course, I'm not uh, throwing shade on you or the vet. Um, they stay in their lane. I don't I don't try to fix dogs' legs when they're broken, and uh, they don't try to train dogs. So, um, <laughs> for sure. so moving forward, um, it, this is what I call like a bottleneck aggression. So it's a lot of frustration. Um, so what can happen? And we'll dive into this a little bit more, and we'll get more context, and we'll continue to talk. I just want to go through... Traditionally, what, how, how this type of stuff starts and what it's caused from historically. Um, so we see a lot of bottlenecking, which would mean tight spaces in one little outlet. So sliding glass door, door, um, getting into a car, any type of excitement and stimulation that happens before going or transitioning into a different environment will create a lot of like build. So the dogs, sometimes dogs will spin and whine and jump and they get very overly stimulated. And then they don't know how to really, they don't know where to put that energy. Um, And so they will redirect and take it out on the nearest thing. We see this often with dogs who are aggressive or reactive on the leash where they redirect on people. So they're so stimulated by the person or the dog or whatever they're reacting to and the leash kind of pisses them off and then they literally almost uh, involuntarily or like not even consciously knowing they'll just turn and spin that it's kind of like the drunk guy at the bar that's trying to fight the other guy at the other end of the bar and then you're trying to back it up and the guy just elbows you in the (laughs) face and they don't even remember doing it because they're so mad so kind of like that Um, so again I'm being general Uh, generalized here. So that's a lot of bottlenecking. It's very common. It's not uncommon for these things to happen. I'm very, very cautious about any dogs under that much excitement. I've seen it cause problems in pretty much everyone's homes with multiple dogs. And you just, it's something that is very, uh, you can be very proactive to it just because it is a very easy thing to roadmap out like once they get into this bottleneck in this situation, that's where that behavior is going to happen. And that's where you guys have seen it like, you know, most likely happen or or all of times it's happened consistently. So under your circumstances, we'll get a little bit more granular, and we'll just keep, we'll keep zooming in is what I'm trying to say. So we go out, like this is the general thing. And then we're going to go and get really granular on your specific situation with the dog sitting next to you. So when you, um, so under these circumstances, puppy is trying to figure out what life is and what to do and what not to do and corrections from another dog is invaluable. It, it, it's such a nice thing. To, it's like having a full-time nanny. It's like, oh, this is perfect. It just eliminates a lot of things that you don't have to do if you have the right dog. Like my older dog who passed away last year, Lola, she trained all my puppies. She trained my St. Bernard. She trained Lakota. Um, they They had respect. They had boundaries. They had calm energy when they needed to because of her. She did all of that. And then sometimes when that other dog isn't around or that other dog won't do it or can't do it, then humans step in and do it or we help. And that's how dogs become, you know, well-mannered and and disciplined and and have respect and please and thank you and thank you very much and things like that. It's kind of having that like strict uncle or that strict grandparent that's like kind of the, the person that's like, no, 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 no. You know, this is, this is what you have to do. You got to work for it. You got to do this. And then it creates this really nice balanced human or puppy. So it is nice to have uh, your dog correct the puppy, but what you're dealing with doesn't sound too much like correction. So I want you to explain to me a little bit more about a situation that has happened. So I understand the door and stuff, but can you just kind of get a little bit more granular on it?
0: Um, yeah, let me think. Um, it's also happened on walks as well when they're walking together. Okay. Um, that one is usually, it's interesting because there's normally no other dogs around when that one happens. It's just suddenly she seems to switch and go after the puppy. Um, another one we've seen is at the door, the, um, let me think. The dough room puppy did not want to come inside. She was like terrified. Didn't want to come inside.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Got her inside and immediately Cheyenne or Shepherd went after her. Um,
2: okay. So, yeah. So, 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 with some context on that. So they were in the yeah. backyard for probably 30 minutes to an hour, maybe even two hours. Cause I wasn't there. I was inside, but I know you were outside doing some yard work and they were playing around, you know, outside, no issues, having fun, yeah. just having fun. And then whenever they, they go to come inside through the back door, Cheyenne came inside first, the shepherd, and then the you know the Doberman came in afterwards. And it looked like, from my understanding, because I, I was I wasn't there, but the way it was described at the time is that Cheyenne kind of turned around and waited for her to come in. Usually, when they come in after that long, they go straight upstairs to the water bowl, and you know it's not a big deal. You know, after they get past that mudroom uh, barrier, it's you know it's not a problem. Um, but it okay. just seems like it just yeah, turned okay. around. and after
1: and okay on the walks so yeah what is that what does that look like um when it happened that one time when you're out for walks it seemingly seems that Cheyenne just turns at the puppy and and just attacks
0: yeah yeah um I haven't found anything that sets her off there have been times where it's like like you said there's another dog and she like Mm -hmm. gets really excited and take it out on the puppy. Um, but there have been times where no other dogs around, no other animals around. Um,
1: okay. Okay. That that's interesting. That's that doesn't make sense to me. Everything else makes sense. Uh, meaning everything else checks out. Everything else is one plus one equals two. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So sometimes we can't make. You know, my job is to explain to you again, like why things happen, but also I don't have a ton of time with you. I'm not at your house watching the behavior of the dogs, watching them interact, getting the backstory of Cheyenne, getting the backstory of the Doberman, figuring out how your house is set up. I mean, all these things that, to be honest, is normally not realistic for for many people and trainers. But so I always try to say, okay, if we can't figure out the exact reason or every reason, then we have to figure out what variables trigger these things, and so. Coming inside, you'll have to take Cheyenne and make sure that you have good obedience with her, um, because basically sh- she's setting the puppy up. You know, um, it's it's interesting, right? And 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 it's very confusing for for humans who um, are just watching this happen, where they're outside and they're playing for two hours, and then they come inside, and then Cheyenne attacks the puppy. So I don't think it's a personal thing. I think it c- it could be multiple different things. It could be jealousy. It could be protection. It could be, um, her trying to tell the puppy, like when we go inside, like this is, you know, get in line, like stay in line. And it is natural in the canine world for these things to happen. It just looks gnarly to us and it is traumatic to the dog and even traumatic to you guys. Um, but it's not uncommon for dogs to just correct puppies just to kind of keep them you know, because she, you know, she may, is he ta- Is he still intact, the Doberman? No. No. It's, okay. No, so they're both uh, female and they
2: both fade, yeah.
1: Oh, they're both females. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you just have to look at those triggers. So the triggers at that door is always going to be a thing. Um, what I don't want to do is I don't want to put Cheyenne into a situation that's going to build more, it's going to build more um, frustration with her, though. I don't want her to we put her into a place, we put her into a crate until puppy comes in and then her come out and then be just as upset or frustrated. So my suggestion is create some sort of routine in order for this to be successful. My first thing that I would do, excuse me, I would, we have to start advocating for puppy. So it's, it's like siblings or having kids or whatever, you know, like it, if you have Cheyenne attacking puppy, but, we're not in time enough to correct the behavior then, because here's what I'm thinking is if she's doing this, uh, yeah, go ahead.
2: I will add. So we, we have, we have picked up um, the e collar for her. Cool. Um, we, we, we attempted to use that to um, correct her whenever she went after Ember the puppy. Okay. Um, and we used, I think, so you used it and you used it on both the, I think we had it on pager ninety or hundred. Yeah. Well, so we we use the pager. She doesn't like the pager, but at that point, she doesn't like the pager doesn't phase her because she's so locked right. on. So I think you use the. I mean, you can tell how you how you did yeah, it. Yeah.
0: So I used it on like ninety. That didn't work. We ended up all the way up max. Did not phase her at all. She was just hyper hyper focused on the puppy. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would. I what I would do. That's good to know. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, just really quick. I think. Um, it'd be it'd be hard for me to believe that the e-collar was sitting properly on the dog if you were all the way up and she didn't care. Um, that happens yeah. all the time. Like, I, honestly, 50% of the time that happens. Like, when people are using the remote collar, it is not snug enough. Like, those contact points have to be sitting against the skin. Um, it's not... It, it, I'm not saying it's impossible for that to happen. I'm not... I wouldn't be, like, totally shocked because she is in such a, like... And that's what people don't understand either. I I shouldn't say that the majority of people don't understand that, that, when a dog gets into a certain mode or when they get into a certain behavior or they they lock into this predatorial kill slash um, whatever she is doing or just in general when dogs lock into a mode, there's nothing that you can do. So the objective is to try to correct them before they get to that red zone. Uh, And the e-collar is great great for that and being able to get to that point before. So you're doing a quick little momentary correction before the dog gets into that red zone to save their life or – to save the puppy or to save a fight. Um, so the timing of that also has to be like, um, so again, like that would, that would be more of the proactive stuff, but anyway, um, that's that, uh, I would be more working on the leash with this. Uh, so just making sure that when we're working with, leash pressure and we are developing a dog, um, to, to learn different things like we would for no jumping and coming back when called. So there's that accountability, um, with the leash and it's very clear what's happening. So there's a split here that I would be working on, excuse me. And it would be, countering obedience to control so it doesn't matter if your dog is super excited that the puppy's coming in and you're like i don't want these two dogs to destroy the house cheyenne go to your bed and downstay, and then puppy i'm gonna leash you up and put you into your crate or whatever like you got to have some rules around the house in order for this to be successful as well but it's not always about rules because some dogs break rules as much as we'd all like to sit here and say no all dogs are perfect and <laughs> all we have to do is reward them for them to learn and it's going to be sustainable. And we're just going to live this fairy tale world. I don't live in that world. You don't live in that world and your dogs certainly don't live in that world. So we're not going to even go there. So I think it's just creating boundaries, rules and and limitations outside of the context of the dog going after another dog. So putting your dog into a place, stay working on that with Cheyenne. Um, So, to, again here's what I would do personally if I was if I was at your house and I knew the consequences and the circumstances I would put Cheyenne on a slip leash or a prong collar or whatever and I would go out so instead of bringing like letting them come in together because that's where the mistakes are happening is we we're, yeah, le- sure. we're letting them come in together and so it's kind of like out of sight out of mind. Um, I would go out they're playing really nicely yay, this is fun put a leash and a collar set up on Cheyenne whatever you guys feel comfortable with. And then I'd start going inside and I would start working on that because the problem is that friction and that, um, mm, that, uh, tension that the the dogs are having with one another. So I'd be working on that and just making it really clear and just grinding those things out. Um, and it's the same thing again, um, because I, I was going to say this uh, before, before we talked about the e-collar, but to me in the back of my head what's making me feel like this is very it's it's dangerous but 8 month old doberman it's not as dangerous as it would if it was an 8 week old doberman right yeah, sure, so yeah. uh, it could be dangerous um for sure but at the same time like in the back of my head i don't know how malicious it is as far as the dog being like aggressive because it's very circumstantial and because if they're outside playing and then they're inside playing and they're fine and then there's like these little tiny scenarios that they get into that it happens that could just mean like the dog is outletting i don't like again i'm just shooting from the hip here as far as what i know um but that's what's ringing in the back of my head is like well they're playing they're in the house relatively okay They're together often, and this is only happening under certain scenarios, which means it's more environmental. It's not like, what's the, you know, you have allergies, it's like, what's the trigger? Okay, now this is, this is, this is causing this. So that tension in that, um, that, that, that conflict in that tight space in that anticipation, um, can cause a lot of that. So again, like let's instead of trying to f- scratch our heads on like why why why, which is always the objective, but realistically and effectively and efficiently with the time that we have, let's think about like if we can't figure out the why, let's talk about what we're going to do. So that's what I would be doing is Cheyenne come, leashing her up and then walking inside with them and just making sure you're grinding out all of the things like if she's looking at puppy, if she's growling at puppy, or, She's looking at puppy a wrong way. She's growling at puppy. Or if she does go after the puppy, that's where your corrections are going to come in and say, Hey, you cannot do this. This is inappropriate. You are corrected for this. This is very uncomfortable for re- for you when you do this. Uh, just like a-, a mom and dad yep. would do with siblings. Um, you know, these two siblings are or at least one sibling's just beating the crap out of the other one. Like you have to step in and advocate. And I know that you've used the remote collar, which is going to take probably some more timing and skill to, To you, I think it's a great tool, and it's going to be hugely beneficial, as it is to millions of other people. But you have to, you have to do it a certain way, which we'll talk about in a minute. But I think just getting back down to the basics of like leashing her up, coming in. But I would be working on that, so I'd say, hey, I want you to grab puppy, and you and I are going to walk out and in and out and in, and we're going to change up the variables. We're going to walk inside. We're going to sit down. We're going to go back outside. We're going to go to the middle of the yard. We're going to come back in a little bit. We're going to go right back out. We're going to hang out by the door. So you're grinding out all of this anticipation because dogs can become quite obsessive with these entryways. So so they'll just sit there. And my dog does it every day. Every day. She's obsessed because she knows that that door could mean going outside to play chuck it with somebody. So any, anytime time somebody's at the door, she's doing, 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 doing. I mean, that's all, you know, I'm not going to tell a fish not to swim, but I have enough obedience to say, go to your bed. And she's like, wop wop wop. <laughs> right. So I, I understand all of that. And, and, and that obsession that, and that kind of like that compulsive, like this is, this is, this is time. It's time. It's time. And so I would be breaking down that door threshold of in and out, in and out, because, you get up in the morning or wh- however your routine is, them going in and out of that door is exciting because they're going to go do something that they really like to do, which we'll is go outside and run around. Um, but you have to make sure that there's control, boundaries, respect. I'm here too, um, but also just making sure that the accountability is there. Because again, I'm I'm, I'm a lifestyle canine professional. I'm not even a dog trainer, right? I'm in the people business. I'm teaching you guys how to work these mechanics out. And I just know what's realistic for dog owners and what gets my clients all over the world results. And it's reality. So the reality is, is you could be standing there all you want, but if your dog is still punching your other dog in the face continuously while you're standing there, that's a problem. So I'd be using the leash and collar setup, and just, um, like a squeaky wheel, just in and out of that door. Boom, 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 boom. Like make that muscle that's tight right there that gets super tense and stretch that out in and out, in and out until it's really loose. And then there's, so you've done it 50 times within a half an hour. You're paying both of them, you're rewarding both of them. And anytime that she looks at the Doberman a wrong way or she growls or she gets a little like stiff or she gets a little postured, you're like, boom, nope, not doing that. Don't even think about doing that. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I would, be, I would be approaching this differently if they were having problems elsewhere and all the time. This is more of yeah. a, I don't know what to do with this energy. And <clears throat> I've seen it, like I said, I've seen it at my house. I've seen it all over the place. It's too much excitement. And the dogs, sometimes dogs will just pin another dog because they're like, everybody shut up. I got to know what, you know, like, it's, it's like, I'm so scared. Like, it's like that Will Ferrell audio clip where they just, they don't know what to do with all that excitement. So they'll just pin each other down like a hockey fight. Like there's so much going on and they'll just grab each other and dogs will do that too. Um, but the shaking is obviously not good. Um, so that's where you're going to say like, Hey, quit the shit. That's inappropriate. So I'd like to see more of that because basically you're going from, um, very, very manually successful of like, I'm put the leash and collar on and I know that this correction from pr- prong collar or slip collar or whatever you're using is going to work. Um, and you can control the situation. And then if you're again, if your e collar isn't charged, if it's not on right, if it's not tight enough, um, or if you don't catch her at the right time, She's just going to keep going and then you're screwed. And then you just got to grab her collar. You got to try to choke her off or do whatever you need to do to get her off the puppy. So I would just be really testing. like, And the way to do that safely is to put them into that variable and control the whole thing. Say, no, no, no. It's like, you guys, I'm not doing that. We're going to go into this. We're going to go into this house. We're going to go out of this house. We're going to go into this house. We're going to go out of this house. And I'm controlling all of that. And then you got like, you know, big sister that's beating the shit out of little sister. You're like, nope, we're not doing that. She's like, yeah, but no, we're not doing that. So that's the first thing I would do. Uh, make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 100%. Outside, on the walk. I want to dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to talk about some obedience. We're going to talk about e collar as well. Like the obedience that you need to be successful inside and the e collar application. Um, yeah. Those are a little bit more, e- those are easier. So I want to talk about the outside stuff. Um, when, when that incident had happened outside, um, was that in the middle of your walk, in the beginning of the walk, at the end of the walk, where was that?
0: Um, it was probably, it was a 10 mile hike. and It was probably about three miles then. Okay. Three miles in on mile leash,
1: yeah. on leash or off leash. Yes. On leash.
0: yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's a stumper. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. That's, that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I, again, but where I don't know, I can give you like, but if it happens, how to be prepared. So I I can't, I, I don't have any idea why dogs would be on a three, a 10 mile hike and then a quarter way in all of a sudden, go after another dog that you've been with for three miles. That that doesn't yeah. make any sense. So that's where your e collar will come in, and that's where your obedience comes in. So that's the only caveat to this whole equation. Everything else makes a lot of sense. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, you know, you get. Uh, so dober, so Doberman's starting to mature. So a couple of things to add into the pot. Doberman's starting to mature. Doberman's starting to get big. Doberman's starting to get strong. Um, so. Did you guys see this recently as Doberman started getting bigger and more mature or has this been happening from day one?
0: Um, no, it started when we were visiting my parents um, and that seemed to start out of jealousy because they have a dog. yeah, yeah And yeah. those two were playing and they were excluding the shepherd. Um, and that was probably she was six months old, six, yeah, seven months
2: old. The beginning of February okay that's how i started yeah
1: okay yeah i mean that that makes sense uh that's a recipe i mean it when i say it makes sense it makes sense for your shepherd i'm not saying that you know every dog oh yeah yeah, if dogs play they should just you know attack each other i'm just saying for like for her stimulated um frustrated reactions her with the other two dogs playing like rampant and all you know, going over to grandma and grandpa's house and having all that like excitement and sharing that love and attention and affection is gonna be hard for her. So yeah. again, like it checks out for her. Um okay, so let's talk about what do we do when we have unpredictable type of stuff. So to me, what I if I'm gonna give you my perspective, if I had two dogs that a 90% of the time got along fine. And then there was this, you know, once a blue moon, every incident, I would be keeping them away from one another in tight spaces. I would be keeping them away from one another if they're interested in something. So any type of tension where it's, um, shepherds interested in something and then Doberman's like, Oh, what you got? That's where that potential spark is going to happen and vice versa. Doberman says, "Hey, I found a dead squirrel." Shepherd goes, "Oh, did you now? Right? That's where those things are going to happen." Um, judging by the behavioral characteristics of the the attacks so far, um, now it's again like that doesn't because it's kind of random out on the walks. It doesn't necessarily mean that those are going to be the exact triggers. But my point is, is if they're not. I would just, I want to say keep them away from each other, but not in a sense of like, I don't want them near each other, but I don't want them close enough to one another to have conflict or to have the shepherd feel like there's conflict, at least for, for now. Um, and so any type of situation, I would be recalling that again, like, is these are all things that make me feel good and and help me be successful with my dog. If I welcome in another dog to my house, typically it's puppies. I'll I'll kind of do some puppy work stuff for some friends and family and stuff. And sh- look, my dog's pretty great with puppies. Um, but again, like there's bowls, there's beds, there's things that are around that I know that my dog is going to be like, I will punch you in your face if you try to take this or if you try to get this, which is again, it's all normal, like type of stuff, but puppy, puppy's too young and too small for that type of correction, right? That's, again, if the dog was a little bit older, it's something I might like, you're gonna have to figure this out. And it's one teeth, teeth show growl, and then bite. And then the dog gets growled at once, and then the puppy runs away. And that's, that's how that works. It's very natural. It's very easy for dogs to understand. Um, but again, like, I don't do that with puppy puppies, like younger puppies who can't defend themselves or can't handle that. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I, I would do I would do recalls off of like if there's a situation I'm watching, I'm like oh this could be kind of tense. I would say the coda comes because I can I can control her. She'd come to me. I'd break the ice. I'd break the ice, like relieve that pressure. So this pressure is building, building, building. So you're out for a walk, um, and you you feel Cheyenne getting tense or they're getting too close or whatever, I would just like flip her onto another side. Um, So again, I'll say it again, is if you can't figure out like, why the hell did that happen? You have to ask yourself, how could it happen again? It's not even like why it happened. How could it happen again? It's like, well, I know for sure that she can't bite her. if She's not next to her. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that you guys have to separate your dogs forever. All I'm yeah. saying is you you should monitor how they interact with one another um, moving forward just because Cheyenne could be the type of dog that's like, I don't like this other dog, and um, there's going to be small little tipping points that's going to make me snap, and you may not be able to see it. So that's how I would be playing the the cards is control – over everything and monitoring. Um, the other thing that would be probably the safest, easiest way for you guys to, again, like, I don't want to waste your time and give you unrealistic bullshit advice on training of like, Oh, well, I, I just want you to be successful. And let's say this dog just like, doesn't like Dobie doesn't like Dobie. They, they fight randomly. Six months later, you're like, yeah, it happened laying down. It happened over here. It happened, whatever. Um, if they're going to interact with one another um, and they're going to be free with one another, the other thing that you could easily do is muzzle train the shepherd um, because that way you know nothing will happen. It also gives you a buffer to work on your off-leash obedience in the remote collar, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but that's something that a lot of people do. If they got kind of like a jerky dog in the pack, and if you've seen professional dog trainers with a pack of dogs and you're, like three of them are muzzled out of nine or one of them out of three or whatever, you may think like, hmm, that's weird. It's it's not weird. It's that dog makes bad decisions under certain circumstances that you can't control. And I'm going to keep everyone else safe because I'm not going to say, this is my dog. This is my life. Woe is me. Um, Let's, and I've, I just dealt with a client last week that decided to euthanize their dog because of interactions like this. And I'm like, to me, I'm devastated and heartbroken. I'm like, at the very least, like just give the dog to somebody else who doesn't have dogs because clearly your dog is great with people, but just doesn't like other dogs. But you know, anyway, I'm just saying like some people go super, super far unethically extreme. And I think again, like if you just, if you guys are like, you know what? It's not fair to Dobie. Um, It's happening more often. I don't understand where it's coming from. There's no variable. There's no trigger. Then you have to make a decision to say, okay, I want them to be off leash and free because 90% of the time they're great, but there's that one time that, you know, something happens and if she's muzzled, that's it. You recall her off or you go and get her and no harm, no foul. Um, That's my suggestion. I want to get into off leash obedience and remote caller, but do you have any questions or thoughts on that so far?
0: Um, sorry. So, so how often do we muzzle her then? Cause we have a muzzle. it fits her great, um, how
1: if often she's, would, you muzzle her? would you say she's muzzle conditioned? You put it on her and she's like, yeah, okay, whatever.
0: Uh, she tries no. to get it off. That's okay. where all of her attention goes. Okay. And then eventually she just gives up. Okay.
1: So I would, I would, <clears throat> so muzzle conditioning is essentially making, shouldn't say making, is helping the dog get more comfortable with the muzzle. So uh, so so like I said before, look, like I know people who their dogs are muzzled anytime they're not in the crate and that's their life. And it's, it's either they don't have a life or they have a life with a muzzle because they make bad decisions sometimes. And that's okay. Maybe they have, let's say dog anger management issues, or let's say they, you know, do unpredictable stuff. Like again, once in a blue moon, you know, they may make that bad decision and you're like, okay, you, you weigh out your options. Right. And so anyway, Muzzle conditioning is just a great opportunity for you guys to be safe and what you would do is every day you would help her become more comfortable with the muzzle not just slap the the problem with muzzles and dogs is just like uh, nail clippers with dogs is they only come out once in a blue moon. That's why dogs don't like vets. That's why dogs don't like nail clippers. That's why dogs don't like cones. They don't like certain things because they never have seen it. So they're not comfortable with it, right? It's like if you were to put glasses on somebody who's never worn glasses, like for you, you'd be like, oh, I wear glasses. So, oh, I forgot I even had them on. But if I wore glasses, I'd be like, wow, this is different. So with dogs, you'd get the muzzle out. You'd put it on all the time make it very fun for her. What I typically do is I take, I use like Baskerville muzzles, which are very breathable and easy for the dog to wear every day. I take a little peanut butter or like um, cream cheese or whatever the dog fancies, swipe it in, the dog licks it up, I put the muzzle away. And I do that 20 times a day, Um, you know, just a little bit. They're not getting a half a tub of Jiffy. They're getting just a little swipe. They're like, this is great. Uh, Maybe after three days of doing that, I... um, strap it on for two seconds and I take it off and then I strap it on and I take it off and I do that for two days and then on the maybe on the weekend after I started on Monday I'll take it on let the dog wear it around a little bit I'll pay the dog a little bit with some treats in between I'll take it off so just when the when the muzzle comes out the dog should go hell yeah Um, that's the way to muzzle condition Um, right now if you put it on she's like trying to get it off because she's not conditioned to it so if you do that successfully, take your time with it. It could take up to a month, two months, whatever, but if she just puts it on willingly and she doesn't care that it's on, which are the dogs who you know, have it on all the time and they don't care, it's just it's like wearing a collar or a leash to them. They're like, "Yeah, whatever." Uh it allows them to be off-leash with their dogs and be successful and not go back into a shelter or not, you know, worst-case scenario. So that's what I would do. And then as far as putting it on her, like again, um I think it's discretionary on you guys and how you feel. You guys know your dogs better than I do. And you, you kind of know like what the accumulative consistency of like where the reactions are happening. So I would be in conjunction with working on the things that we talked about. I would be doing that over and over again. So I'll give you an, an example. Like if your dog barks at somebody who rings the doorbell, um, that's common, you know, it's conditioning, somebody's here, dog barks. What a lot of people do, unfortunately, dog owners, especially is they're like, Okay, I want I want to fix this, I want to help my dog, I want to change this. And what they'll do is they will wait for the doorbell to go off once a day and try to work on it. And so it's the same thing I was saying earlier about like, taking the uh, taking the variable or the trigger or the sequence or whatever it is, and doing it multiple times a day so again if i had a dog that was tough with the doorbell ding dong work on it ding dong work on it ding dong etc so again like breaking down the barriers of that those thresholds going outside working on patience um so i think outside so again that's just something that's going to help with the reactivity but um i i would leave i would leave it up to you i mean the dog can wear it at any time that you feel necessary, doesn't it? Doesn't really matter. Um, it's not a bad thing. It's not like I said. If you condition it right, dogs don't even know that it's there. They could care less. They've been wearing it for so much time. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, being at four years old, um, you know, it's gonna take more conditioning time than if the dog was a puppy and whatever. Um, so anyway. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Obedience and e-collar. So, again, outside of, and I, you guys, if you've watched or consumed any of my content ever, you've probably heard me say this. As I, yes. <laughs> I always say that a well-trained dog, that's a man eater, is you can do anything with, but an untrained puppy, you can't do anything with. Right. So, my point being is, you want to make like if your dog is trained and your dog has obedience, you will have far less problems with your dog. And it doesn't matter if they hate people or they hate dogs or they hate whatever. If you can control the variable of the dog, then your problems a won't ever start or if they do, it'll be very a very small part of your day because every shouldn't say that. The major 99% of people who've come into my facility or I've worked with that have behavioral problems, don't have control. Period. So they come in, my dog bites people, but I can't walk my dog on a leash. Every time, right? Or what my dog is reactive, but my dog won't even look at me, etc. So uh, I would be practicing uh, some obedience to help curate uh, exercises and scenarios for your dog to be successful. So again, um, let's say here. Let, let's paint you a picture. Let's say you guys worked on off-leash obedience, and you're getting ready to bring them in. They're outside. They're in the yard. You open the door. Cheyenne, down. Doop. Puppy, come. Boop. Cheyenne, come. Boom. Done. Not everybody has that obedience, but if you did, I would almost guarantee you that that would that would eliminate all of that issue at the door. A because the the this stimulation and that like cluster of like ex- hurricane of excitement by the door doesn't happen. So the the reason why it happens is gone. And then again, even if she's like, I want to kill this puppy at the door, she won't because she's in a down stay. <laughs> so yeah, right. so again, like I I I I've been using this acronym of KISS so often lately keep it simple stupid because it helps get things done so much faster instead of like because i'm that type of person i'm like figuring out this big elaborate plan to do one easy thing and i'm like if i just keep thinking about this big elaborate plan it's never going to get done and so right work on the things that you can and say okay so again like that's a perfect example you open the door shut down doop, stay puppy come boom done so i would be so think So you have to think to yourself and audit to yourself. What are some things that can help this situation tremendously? And that control is one of them. Again, if you have, so, and you owe it to your family. You owe it to both your dogs. You owe it to each other to have that control. We have Cheyenne, a four-year-old German shepherd that at some point it, it wants to kick the shit out of our Doberman. And we don't know why. So again, if we never figure out why that's not as a big, it's not as a big factor into the equation as much as it is like, what are you going to do about it? How are you going to react? How are you going to respond? And having that obedience, not only for Cheyenne, but your puppy, but for each other is monumental. And in my opinion, necessary in order to live a happier life. Um, other things um, like <clears throat> Cheyenne go to your place so um, you'd send her to her place. And so again, like if you right now, if you have a little cot, a little bed, or even a crate near that door, and I would just recommend like anything. And, and I've heard all the excuses, right? You live in a 200 square foot apartment in Manhattan. Okay, get a little touch pad that you get at Tractor Supply. That's a little plastic bowl. Teach your dog how to touch on that. You say, "Shane, come touch," and she goes and touches. So then when you bring puppy in, she's across the room. So again it's it's twofold, it's a win-win. It could eliminate the problem of why she's reactive in the first place with that hurricane funnel. Yeah. Or even if she's like no I just don't want the dog to come in, <laughs> right? It, it, <laughs> then it still eliminates that, right? So there's always I find with behavioral issues it's it's those it's con- it's consequential of um in a, a situation that you put your dog in and then they react a certain way or they just genuinely like do not like the person or the dog. And so again, if your obedience is good, you won't see any repercussions from either of those things because you're controlled, right? Easier said than done. But you know, that's a great thing to have is Cheyenne comes in, go to your, go to your place. It's a lot easier to just tell a dog to come in and then send her to her place and downstay. Puppy comes in, puppy goes to, her, you know, a crate where, cause if you don't work on the, the place stay with puppy, then that can create more problems for you. Cheyenne's in a down, stay waiting patiently. Puppy comes up and says, hey, and then the pu- and then, Cheyenne's like, yeah. <clears throat> so that can create more yep. frustration. So that's, that's exactly what I would do is I'd say, okay, okay, Cheyenne's working on recall. Cheyenne, come, go to your touch, stay, go to your bed, stay, whatever. Puppy comes in, puppy's in a crate, puppy's in an X-pen. That way you're like completely safe there. Um, and that's what I would be doing. And then, you know, out again, like, so there's the controlled trigger of, we know that the door and the funneling and the excitement is going to trigger this. What are we going to do about situations that are going to happen randomly on hikes, on walks, um, whatever in the car, like those things, what are we doing? That's where we're going to say, okay, something can happen right now where, I don't have control enough to handle the situation and frankly I don't know when it's going to happen because it's random and we don't have enough information to deal with to figure out exactly why it's happening so we're going to control it so Cheyenne's getting a muzzle so that way if something does happen there's going to be a lot of growling and that's about it yeah uh, uh we're going to talk about e-collar next but does, does that make sense yeah okay 100%. beautiful I would refer to you, if you've watched my YouTube videos, I have one that I did, I think my most recent full-length upload on um, watching dogs like interact and kind of commentating uh, these interactions. And we had our staff dogs out. So the staff dogs were playing like gangbusters. You you had two dogs that have lived with each other and are best buddies, and they are playing like any other dogs have ever played hard before. Teeth and rolling and just, just so excited, like two gladiators fighting, just... Tremendous amount of effort to play with one another. And so we did this demonstration of if you have good control with a very stimulated environment or a very stimulated task of either fighting with another dog, chasing a squirrel, or playing with your best friend, if you have obedience, it'll cross out that variable most times. You know, dogs aren't perfect, neither are people, neither is equipment, but. It gives you like not using something like the remote collar to wirelessly enforce things gives you a very, very, very large disadvantage because you may be able to keep up with the e-collar training without distractions. But the moment that heavy distraction comes in and the dog goes, I'm choosing the squirrel, the bird, the chipmunk, the deer over your reward, you're done. And that downfall is significant. It's 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 not even comparable, right? <clears throat> so, uh, both these dogs were trained with a remote collar, um, and we, they were playing like crazy, locked in. One of them said, "Dog come." The other one said, "Dog down." One dog turned around, sprinted to the owner. The other dog pancaked into a down, and they just sat there. And one of them, <laughs> the one that pancaked, was just rolling around, having a good time. Tongue was out. I'm still on the down, and we said, "Break!" And boom! They went right back. So. If you look at that video, it's a perfect example of one of the highest value rewards or highest value drives or stimulation that you could possibly get with dogs. And that can be transferable to fighting another dog, chasing a squirrel, trying to kill a groundhog, trying to kill a skunk, like whatever it is, like that's just as high. And with a recall on a down, it diffused it like that. And, um in my opinion, in my experience, the amount of pet owners that do not, this is going to get into e-collar, the amount of pet owners that don't professionally train dogs for a living, and they just want a well-trained dog so they can enjoy their dog and their family and do things, do not have the skills, the know-how, the patience, and the training efforts to do that without the remote collar and out that accountability. That's essentially saying you're doing the funnest thing that you could possibly do as a dog after you've been pent up inside while mom and dad have been on vacation or mom and dad has been at work. You're playing, you're chasing, you see that squirrel. I didn't see that deer in the backyard. Holy shit. And we say, hey, come back to me. And that's your. That's it. So the e-collar, as you guys know, is a huge advantage. It's the only thing in the world that can hold a, to hold a dog accountable off leash. The only thing on the planet that exists. Um, you know, back in the day, we used to send, uh, mails in the letter. Now we're talking on the phone via FaceTime and we can send emails and texts and all this wonderful stuff because of technology and remote collars, um, are the same thing for dogs. Um, if given the opportunity for people to learn how to use them properly. And so again, same thing with you guys. So let's paint a perfect world. Let's say, okay, Cheyenne, we're going to do some e collar work with you. And, um, what we're going to do is we're going to, so, so right now, you guys. So, I have an e-collar course, and one of the things that we did. You, did you, by any chance, see the e-collar course yet? I
2: haven't seen. No, we okay. Seen it yet. Okay, yeah. I
1: just didn't want to be redundant. So, in the e-collar course, we talk about an intervention mode, which the only time I will punish a dog before conditioning is if the dog is choosing danger. So, danger to themselves, danger to another dog, danger to a person. That's the only time out of pocket that I will use the e-collar as an aversive of like, you cannot do this. I don't care where you think this is coming from. This has to stop. And typically I use the pager. Um, That's the only time I'll use it. And that's how you guys have used it, which is okay. So your dog is trying to attack your other dog. You're cranking that collar up to try to stop it. Um, And if it works, your dog doesn't get attacked. If it doesn't, nothing happens the dog keeps going <laughs> right Brilliant. so it's really like an easy equation like you use it and it works you use it and it doesn't work those are the things that are going to happen so that's why often people you know choose the remote collar um cuz it it's anyway so uh, moving forward i would say that um i would suggest conditioning the remote collar to the dog to teach her how to shut it off where it's coming from and how to respond to the stimulation levels. So the e-collar that you have is mine, the Dogger Tom Davis 280C, and that um, has a stimulation up to 127, and it has a pager, and the pager is very intense. So let's say, for an example, the way that we do it, and I'll give you a quick little rundown. The way that we do it with, with um, e-collar training is... Um, all motivation. So the dog learns how to respond to the remote collar to get their to get a reward response, like a clicker or a verbal cue or marker, right? So when the e collar turns on, the dog knows the behavior that we're asking them to do in order to shut it off. And when I say shut it off, that simply means that they're doing a behavior that they've done a million times already to get paid. Okay. So it's called, it's a classical negative reinforcement. So negative means we're taking something away. So in the dog world, people throw around all these terms to sound a certain way. Positive means adding. Negative means taking away like math. Positive doesn't mean rainbows, butterflies, and cute cupcake kisses. And negative doesn't mean a boot to the dog's face and a kick to the ribs. (laughs) Okay. Um, I've heard a lot of things. So that's why I'm like laughing about that. But Positive just means adding, negative means taking away. So when we're adding a slight little stimulation to the dog over a a behavior that they've been doing for months, we're holding the stimulation down, usually around a four to five. To give you preference, a four to five isn't registerable to a human's face. So it's very, 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 very low. The dog feels it. It doesn't hurt them. It doesn't stress them out. It's not an, it's it's not aversive at all. They can feel it. We say sit, tap, 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 tap. The dog puts their butt on the ground because they go. I know what sit is. I've done this a hundred times. Oh, and by the way, I wonder what this is. Butt hits the ground. Pressure goes off. Negative. Re- so when we talk about positive reinforcement, we're adding a verbal good sit or a treat or a ball. Positive to reinforce the behavior to happen again in the future. Negative reinforcement, same thing. We're taking away the remote collar stimulation to reinforce the behavior. Does that make sense? It'd be the equivalent to somebody tapping you on your shoulder and you turning around. The moment you turned around, we're taking away the tapping. Or you get into your car and your seatbelt's going ding, 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 ding. Boom, (laughs) right? We all do it every day. It's the same thing with dogs. The beauty of the remote collar is it gives you an opportunity to use that a half a mile to two miles. So that's the way we do it. So the dog understands that that stimulation is you, and the faster they turn it off, the faster they get paid. So I've done this so many times uh, to so many different dogs all over the world, and it's a wonderful thing. I love educating people about it, Um, and um, it's a really fun experiment to, to get really crafty with dogs, okay? So you want the dog to respond to the remote collar that way. Okay. Now, if we're working on a four and a five, it's really low, right? The dog's like, okay, this is you, this is you, this is you. Now, the moment you start adding in distractions, that level is going to have to go up, which is the beauty of the remote collars, because now you have 127 levels. So you have a huge spectrum here. Okay. So let's say you did recall for two weeks on a long line. The dog's on the long line. Okay, we said dog come with the recall, shuts it off. 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 We drop the long line. We say dog come, same thing. And then we're on a five the whole time. Now, say there's a uh, distraction across the street or there's a distraction in the neighbor's yard. We say dog come. We have the five. The dog's unresponsive to the five because, again, it's a currency marketing game. They're more interested in the distraction than they are the 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 tapping so then we go it gets higher and then it snaps the dog out of what they're doing they respond it goes back down and we pay the dog so you guys should be doing that with the dog over and over again for about a week that way so you went to 127 that's what i'm saying is typically dogs will respond to a five a correction for a dog once you've introduced the remote collar properly is usually between a 10 to 20 right? That's a correction. That's what a dog will go. Oh, shit, my bad, because we're working so low. So when you went to 127 levels, that's why I was saying is like, I've, i I would say it's a really highly good chance that the e collar just wasn't fit or properly fitted, because that should have stopped everything. But at the same time, if you're conditioning the dog at low levels, and then you jump to even a 50, which is not even halfway on the collar, after working on a five for two weeks, the dog is going to go, holy shit, what was that and stop what they're doing. And that's what saves their lives. Um, just that quick little momentary correction and uncomfortability for doing something that could kill them or kill something else. Yeah. Uh, I know that's a lot of information and I know we're out of time, but do you have any final questions?
0: I don't think so.
2: No, I think that's it for now. I know we were still, we were looking at doing potentially the, um, the board and train with her, um, just to kind of lock on the obedience and stuff. Um, and there's also some other things we wanted to, to, to work on like fence aggression, uh, like how, or uh, fence reactivity and then like front door reactivity and kind of just in general dog and people reactivity. So I think that's, that's what we're leaning towards, but, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I just wanted to mention that. yeah that would help for sure. I mean, giving your dog to plug into a professional for two to four weeks at a time is, is only going to help as long as you, you know, pick a credible place that can, uh, you know, knows what they're doing, and I say that just because of what I do. I hear a lot of, you know, stories. So,
0: yeah, we worked with a trainer that was like, you have to throw things at your dog, and we're like, nah, we're good. Yeah. We had another trainer that just shoved her in a corner and she got yeah. her treats because she barked all the time. <laughs> we're like, that, I know. that really helped.
1: <laughs> I know. You know, I'm so I'm so grateful for the internet to be able to just uh, share my message with people because so many times. I mean, almost honestly, every time that I work with somebody like yourselves, I've, I hear those stories and I just can't believe that people are out there, uh, taking people's money for that, but Hey, it's okay. We're here now. Sounds good. So I would suggest, um, yeah, you could do the board and train with somebody. And then uh, I would check out the e-collar course too. It's on my website. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's a full breakdown of everything you need to know about the remote collar and how to introduce it properly. And um, just work on those boundaries. Keep it, like I said, kiss, keep it simple. Stupid. <laughs> no offense. But <laughs> it's just literally like, keep it simple. Big, like, okay, is this going to be a problem? I'm going to put a leash on her. No problem. You know? It, even, got it, got e- even if, you know, I always tell, um, shelter workers who work with dogs at are shelters, I'm like, you can't fix every dog that comes through, but if you can stop a problem from happening by just stepping in and intervening, it's better than anything else. Even if you're like, yeah. Oh, you know, we don't have the training yet. Like put your, put a leash on her and say, you can't do this. I know what you want to do, but you can't do it. That's better than nothing. So, okay. All right, you guys. Perfect. Yeah. It was Good. nice to meet you. Good luck. All right. The end of the podcast. First question comes from Bacon Maven. Hi, Tom, listen to all your podcasts. I've been listening for about two weeks and I love hearing all the different dogs and training approaches for them. My question is about an older individual being able to train. Long story short, my friend's mom got two puppies for Christmas against everyone's recommendations and she doesn't. She didn't do anything about training the dogs. She let them play together all day, every day with no intervention and no training to keep them separate. I offered to take one of them to train so she could focus on the other one to train and get housebroken. I've been working with her a couple sessions now and to give her corrections and basic structure structure the puppy has come a long way and is doing with training my question is is since she's got an older woman since the older woman is older and has arthritis in her hands and is not very fast what are your suggestions for tools and methods to keep her able to train the puppy herself or do safe or do safely uh, with being fair to the dog Um, so I would, we're currently using a slip collar, which I had success with the puppy, but the woman is still learning how to use it, which ultimately means sometimes she doesn't know, um, when the puppy is reacting. She sees the dogs, people, the puppy, um, uh, I would be doing as much work as you can with the dog before she gets the dog, um, And I think your concern is obviously like moving over to the prong collar. And I would agree. Um, My suggestion is using the hybrid of a plastic pinch collar. So instead of a prong collar, which uh, takes some skill and some learning curve on how to use it because dogs can be sensitive to it and the slip leash just being not enough at all to control because it takes a little bit more skill and muscle, I would just use the plastic pinch collar it's called the StarMark plastic pinch collar you can get it on chewy or amazon it's a great alternative and hybrid between the prong and the slip that's my suggestion um and do as much work as you can with the puppy before you hand it over so appreciate you listening Next one comes from a bunch of zeros and three, three H amazing podcast. Hey Tom, I've gone through about 30 episodes, one a week. I found this podcast. I absolutely love it. I have two questions. How do I find the episodes before 88, both on Spotify and podcast? They go back to 80. I don't know. I have a ticket in, um, with my company right now. I am working on that for you guys. I will let you know as soon as I do, but yeah, for some reason, um, yeah, they they are only go back to eighty eight, which is weird. Anyway, I am a little confused on fostering dogs. Is it something I'd really like to do? But I have a dilemma of getting the dog and building a bond, and then thinking the dog that I am abandoning them. Dogs are absolutely animals, and we see this all the time with like board and trains. They come in and they have no idea that their mom and dad just spent a bunch of money on board and train. They think this is their new home. These are their new owners. This is what's going on, and bang, bang, boom. They're like, okay, this is my new life, and they adopt. And then mom or dad comes to pick them up two to four weeks later. And they're like, oh my God, you're back. Dogs are very resilient. Um, they are very, uh, they're animals, right? So first of all, just understanding that uh, fostering dogs is um, a good thing because you're able to to then give them a forever home. So look at it that way. Uh, that, that's how I would be looking at it is just uh, understanding that, Um, you know, dogs need us. And if you're taking a dog and, um, you're going to try to help them, you know, uh, if you're going to try to help them get a new home and a forever home, then that's going to be instrumental in, um and doing that. So, so you're doing the right thing. I mean, dogs, like you're going to have them for a month at the most, and then they're going to go off to their new home and everything's going to be beautiful after that. So just think about the big picture and um, just understand that being a foster, sometimes there's some heartache of giving the dog away to the new forever home, but know that they will create that bond with them and you're ultimately doing what you need to do. It's a good question. Next one comes from Bad Be Leader. Hey, Tom, curious if you have any advice on how to introduce a rescue dog to a cat. My mom is looking to adopt a dog from the shelter, but has two cats at home. Is she worried that they won't get along? My recommendation is is if you're really unsure and um, you're skeptical and, of course, the cat's are, um, in danger potentially. Uh, the best thing to do honestly is to probably just maybe adopt from a foster that has cats that, you know, will do well with the dogs or with the cats. Um, just because you know, for sure that that's going to be fair and safe. Uh, alternatively to that, what you can simply do is, um, trial it. Um, use muzzles, use gates, um, maybe get a dog that's not a terrier because they generally will have a high prey drive. Um, but honestly, I think the safest thing to do uh, without with very minimal probabilities of things not going successfully is just getting a foster that maybe has cats and you know the dog does well. Um, that's my recommendation. I appreciate you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. If you have qu- actually, I'm going to do another one this week, and maybe even one more just to catch up. So we may have two more coming out uh, this weekend. I'm also have a new YouTube video coming out this weekend, hopefully. So stay tuned. Lots of exciting stuff happening. Appreciate you guys. Love you. Bye.